Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To them of contrite spirit, that he is merciful and just, this is my comfort and my trust. His help I wait with patience. God does not refuse the sinner. God will not refuse the one who is contrite in heart and spirit, the one who has meditated upon God's law and has seen that it is only the Lord who is holy and just, blameless, without blemish. The sinner looks at God's holy law and is terrified of God. Because what God demands is perfection and nothing less than it. And tonight, the whole Christian church on earth gathers around this mortality of man because of sin. That the wages of sin is death. And there is no other time in out all of the Christian church year other than maybe Good Friday and a funeral that will come as close to this study of your mortality, of your miserable human condition. But tonight is it. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. It is God's judgment upon mankind for his sin. That in the garden, when Adam had fallen, when he had taken what he was told not to eat, the Lord cursed him on that day in all ground. That on that day he would surely die, and so it was. That he left the garden not with the life that he had from the beginning, but a life which had to again be bestowed upon him through the one who was coming to save him, the Messiah, who we now have received, the one who is called our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight, we mourn our sin with intensity, as the Lord has called us, rend your hearts. That means tear them wide open. You don't get to hide your sin from the Lord. He knows it all. Where can you go to flee the presence of the Lord? If you go into the heavens, he is there. If you make your bed in the depths of Sheol, he is there. Even in the depths of the sea, you cannot escape the Lord. But the Lord will not refuse the one who comes to him with a broken and contrite heart, who has considered his sin, knows his guilt and his shame, and turns to the Lord and confesses, the Lord shall receive him with open arms, with the words of absolution, saying, your sins are forgiven. But notice what the Lord says, rend your hearts Turn to me with your hearts, not just a portion of it, but the whole heart. Not just the leftovers at the end of the day when you finally remember God. 
No, at the beginning of the day, you wake up in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you pray. You remind yourself and your sinful nature that it is not you who rules the day. It is the Lord God Almighty who rules and reigns over all creation every day as he has from eternity. And then in the middle of the day, you can't let that, that, that thought escape your mind. You have to then keep it for the rest of the day. You can't be so distracted in this life that you forget who your creator is and how he has ordered your life, redeemed your life, saved it from the pit of hell. And then it is at the end of the day when all this burden has come upon you and you're finally having a moment to sit down and breathe and you consider everything that has happened for every precious moment of that day and you say, Lord, I don't deserve this. Deserve much better. That's not a heart rent open to the Lord. You can't say that to God. That's a heart that is turned away from the Lord, who thinks that everything that he has received in this life is not his goodness, not the mercy of God, but God withholding what we deserve. And you are right in one, one point, that God is withholding what you deserve, but it's not what you want. God is withholding your judgment for sins that you have committed in thought, word, and deed. God is withholding from you the judgment of everlasting death. That's what you deserve. That is why the Christian comes to the Lord not trying to hide anything, as if there is something you could hide, but turning to the Lord with the whole heart, with keeping the fast, with weeping and mourning, and saying to the Lord, you are right. I do not deserve even what I have. And my faith struggles to accept that. But help me. Teach my heart. Teach me the new way of life. For I know, O oh Lord, at the end of the day that you have washed me, you have purified me, you have saved me from the corruption of the world. Consider this. That everything that you have in this life, even the smallest bits that we take for granted, come from God's mercy. I see all of you are clothed here tonight. You're not clothed in rags. You walked into this church. You had shoes on your feet. You didn't get wet. I've seen you drove a lot of cars to this church. I don't care how beaten up and bruised they are. You have a way to get here. You have a church that is open, that you can come to receive from God his love and his mercy. You have a job you had a job, you had something that you can retire with, that comes from the Lord. Maybe it wasn't easy, maybe it was tough. And every day you wondered whether or not you were going to get through the next. But guess what? God brought you through it. And you're here right now. 
You have something to live on. You don't have a tarp over your house. You got a roof. You have a chair and a nice warm bed to lay in at night. But what do you want? What more do you want? Are you eating crumbs? Are you surviving off of very little? Then come to the church and we'll feed you. But no, we have a lot more. So what at the end of the day do we have but to then be thankful to the Lord for his bountiful mercy that we have received way more than we deserve? You know, you confessed in the Nicene Creed that you believe in the Lord, the giver of life, the Holy Spirit. What is that giving of life? You know, I so often myself, I focus on this. The Holy Spirit has given me the forgiveness of sins. I have been forgiven, absolved of all my guilt and shame by the blood of Christ. And then I also recognize this, this life that gives me uh, hope, this eternal life, right? The promises that I live by. But you know what we often forget is that middle part that we are given a new life in the Holy Spirit. A life that is not filled with the lust that is within the world, but a life that is built by the Spirit and by disciplining the flesh, by the life that God has given us every morning when we live in our baptism, dying the old Adam, killing him every morning. And then waking and arising to live as the new man before God. You know what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That begins right here. Right now, when you draw near to God at this altar and you partake of the body and blood of Christ, what do you confess? That is the forgiveness of my sins, life and salvation that I receive under that bread and wine in the body and blood of Christ. St. Paul goes on, he says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin, and we have died with Christ. We also live with him. Do you not see what you have, what each and every one of you has in your hearts right now? That when your heart is rent open unto the Lord and you confess your sins and do not hide but confess, that is there the Spirit comes in, binds you up with all comfort because you are the one that is living by the promises of God. You're living with the hope of a new life begun now in the Spirit and completed on the day of the resurrection of all flesh. You who have died to Christ are in Christ, have died to sin, and now live. You live right now. And so this Lenten journey, this season of Lent, 
We don't question whether or not we can go through Lent praying and fasting and giving alms. We don't question that. We know we can. Because as you heard today, that by God's divine power, he has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You can't make for yourself this spiritual life. It has to come from the Father, through the Spirit. It has to be formed not in our own image because we shall fail in that endeavor. It has to be built by the image of Christ. So think, when you wake up in the morning, put before your eyes, the eyes of your heart, the works of Jesus. And then during the day, you don't let your heart divert either to the left or to the right from these works of Christ. And then at the close of the day, no matter how difficult it's been, again, you put before your eyes the works of Christ. And I want to share some of those with you. Christ, he had the perfect training, if you will, perfectly in line with the will of God, the image of the Father. He says, or I should say, when Jesus was betrayed by Judas, his brother, what did he do but speak kindly to him? And he submits to God's will that he would be handed over eventually to the Gentiles through those who were supposed to have received him as the Messiah. Look at him, because he does not enact any vengeance. He restrains vengeance. He imposes on himself a restriction, not even allowing Peter to get away with cutting off the ear of Malchus. Then Jesus remained silent in the face of false and worthless accusations as they tried to find two people who could agree on what he had done to blaspheme God. And then when he is drugged before Pontius Pilate, whom had said to him, I have the power to release you and the power to crucify you, Jesus gave the good confession And he said, you would have no power unless it was given to you by my Father who is in heaven. And that my kingdom is not of this world. And then as he was led forth from there, scourged and beaten, he did not deny the cross, but picked it up. For as far as he could carry it, he did. Until another had to take it off his shoulders. But that did not mean that he would not bear the marks in his hands and his feet, for he was pierced with the nails, crown of thorns pressed into his head. And what does he do? But he prays for his crucifers. He prays for those who drove in the nails, for those who gambled over his clothing. And even on the cross, who does he care for? But his own mother and disciple John. And through his last breaths and beats of his heart, he gave his mother to the one whom he loved so that she would be cared for in this life. And then when all had been finished, when he had endured hell in our place, suffering for our guilt and shame, 
he commends his spirit into the hands of the Heavenly Father. You see the difference of a life that is spiritually disciplined, a life that does not consider itself but this love for others. Christ is absolutely the highest example for all of us to follow. And although this Lent and beyond, we will indeed never be able on this side of glory to attain to the same perfection as Christ in love, in humility, in patience, in meekness. It does not matter. We nevertheless do not lower our goal. We do not lower our training, but we train harder as Christians to subdue our sinful flesh and give it not one second of power in our life. It was said about 2,500 years ago from a poet, we do not rise to the level of our expectations, but we fall to the level of our training. And this has stuck with me this past week. Because if you begin now, if you've never taken up any serious training in the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit to subdue the flesh, to align with the will of God, to increase in faith and virtue and love and charitableness, begin now. Because I guarantee you, when it does get difficult in life, when you are put in situations where you have to rely on your training, on what you remember from the Bible, on what you remember from the prayers and the colics of the church, from what you remember of the church here and the resurrection of Jesus, when you are put in those situations, this liturgy which you've memorized, these hymns which have become so familiar, these readings and texts which have become second nature, will be what you fall back on. When you spend a moment in a hospital room with your best friend, your loved one, a father, a mother, a brother, or sister, and you hear that they are now diagnosed with a terminal illness and it doesn't seem like they shall have long to live, what are you going to fall back on? You've been trained. God has given you his Holy Spirit he has taught you that the body is brought to nothing and then raised again in glory in Christ. And that in this midst of heal or in this midst of infirmity, even God can heal if he so wills it. But commend yourself, body and soul into his care. What are you going to do when you are near the bedside of someone you dearly love? And in the last few moments, you know that you have with them become the most precious moments. What are you going to do? But assure them that their sins are forgiven in Christ. And that they have nothing to worry about. That God is going to bring them through death into life everlasting. That is the hope and promise of every Christian baptized into his name. What are you going to do when your own brothers and sisters who sit in this community don't act like brothers and sisters? And they upset you. They anger you. They hurt you. 
what are you going to do? Will you show mercy and forgiveness like the Father has shown to you? Or will you allow anger to well up inside you so that you can't even talk to them? So that you get upset to even go and commune next to them? What training will you fall back on? If you've been trained by the Holy Spirit, then these passages, these works of Christ, these things which you have been instructed with in the scriptures will come to your mind. And it will break all hardness of your heart so that you could even pray for those who are crucifying you, those who are stoning you, those who have angered and upset you, insulted you, and said many horrible things. You will still be able to love them. But it's not anything that you could do apart from the training, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the life of faith. Begun in repentance, continued in the gospel, and brought to completion in the same. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.